You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. This is episode 155 of the Well Woman podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the show and checking out this episode. This is definitely a longer episode than we normally record, and that's because it is just so jam-packed with information. Now, if you're new to Ayurveda or interested in learning a little bit more about Ayurveda, this is the episode for you. I'm joined by the beautiful Halia Fele, and we are all about Ayurvedic healing for your menstrual cycle. Did you know that the menstrual cycle has particular imbalances linked with particular doshas? So if you've ever learned anything about the Ayurvedic doshas, this is definitely the episode that you're going to want to tune into. Now, I'm joined by Halia because this is her jam. Her soul's purpose is to guide women back into their own innate healing wisdom, the ancient knowledge that is locked up within them. It's a reawakening, a reconnecting and a realigning. Now, she empowers women to be their own healers, to show them the way to connect back to radiant, flowing feminine essence so that they know their own bodies better than anyone, to have a deep trust in their wombs, processes, menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, and birth. Now, Halia is actually one of our guest teachers inside Cyclical School. That is the Menstrual Cycle Coaching Certification course, and she joins us to teach inside Cyclical for understanding the ancient ways of menstruation. So she teaches us beautiful ancestral methods to embracing menstruation. And I had to have her back on the show. She has been a guest before. You can check out her previous episode at episode 107. But in this particular episode, we talk about the importance of women's health. We talk about the seven layers of nourishment, the foundation of health, the Ayurvedic doshas, the imbalances in your menstrual cycle in each of the individual doshas, And then we wrap it up with understanding simple ways we can actually support ourselves Ayurvedically to bring our menstrual cycles back into balance. So whether you have bloating, period pain, cramps, clotting, long bleeds, short bleeds, heavy bleeds, uncomfortability, IBS, you name it. We talk about all the ways that you can rebalance those menstrual cycle imbalances and cycle signs to bring your body back into harmony. So I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it with Clea. She is a world of wisdom and you can literally hear it through her passion when she's talking in this episode about how much she aligns with these teachings and why she has this mission to guide you back into your body. Have you heard? We officially have launched a brand new Well Women Academy. Yep, today's show is sponsored by this new signature membership program, the Well Woman Academy. Would you love to discover your own menstrual cycle, understand ovulation, master menstruation, and live cyclically? Well, your menstrual cycle membership is officially here. The Well Woman Academy is a monthly membership where together we study things like menstrual cycles, cycle tracking, cycle rituals, contraception, the feminine, eating and moving for your cycle, and so much more. It's the number one place place to discover how to end cycle signs and PMS for good. For less than $2 a day, each month you'll receive access to over 150 live recorded classes and cycle-specific learning modules across a wide range of formats like written, audio, video, and home study. Not to mention every single membership gives back with menstrual cups to menstruators in need, thanks to our commitment with the COVID project. 
Join me and hundreds of women from all over the world inside our private Facebook community and online learning portal as together we awaken our cycle, reconnect our bodies and guide you to live in cyclical harmony. Learn more and join us at www.wellsome.com forward slash academy. Halea, darling, welcome to the podcast again. You've already been here before and so welcome back. Thank you for having me. Such an honour. It is such an honour. I completely agree just to even have you on the show. We have had you on the show before. If you are listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to go back to there. It was episode 107 and we spoke about ancestral ancient women's wisdom with you, of course. Now, I love everything that you do. You already know this. You are a guest teacher inside our cyclical menstrual cycle coaching certification course. And so I just love everything that you do. All of our students Mm. love everything that you do and all of your teachings. And today we're talking about Ayurveda and the cycle. So as I continue to rant, let us know what day of your (laughs) menstrual cycle are you on and how are you checking in today in this moment? Oh, thanks for asking and such an honour to be on here with you again. I feel like we have a really beautiful alchemy, you and I, working together. Um, And I love all the work that you're doing and and sharing the powerful women's wisdom in this uh, modern time is more important now than ever. The feminine is rising and healing. Um, So, yeah, it's very important to be doing this work and very important for women to be relearning, remembering the ancient ways and reconnecting to the power of their menstrual cycle. Um, So back to the question. (laughs) Um, I am on day 20. I have had a very interesting month this month. I um, bled just before the new moon and then I catch caught COVID and had a past life regression and just feel like this month has been a rebirth. But I also feel like I've ovulated a few times this month. I've felt this spike and drop quite a few times. So I'm really interested to see if my menstrual cycle is going to come early this month. I did have a dream the other night on the full moon that I got my bleed on the full moon really early and I was really surprised but it hasn't come yet um but yeah I'm feeling good I always schedule these things around my ovulation which is usually around the full moon as I can articulate better I feel better I look better uh, and then after my ovulation I slowly go back into myself and I schedule a couple of weeks of me time so I'm, I'm journaling, I'm studying, I'm doing things for myself, my own self-work, and then I rise back up after uh, my, ovulate, my menstruation in the spring phase of my menstrual cycle and the summer phase of my menstrual cycle. It is of being of service and doing podcast interviews and being on Instagram and sharing content. And yeah, I really love that balance I have of two weeks in and two weeks out and I teach that a lot through my work uh, it's really important for us to have that balance I think it's something that we could all definitely embrace a little more in-depthly um, and I really admire how you do you're like two weeks out two weeks in it's such a beautiful yin and yang energy flow yes. um yeah I've always admired that about you when you teach I'm always like oh she does it so good I'm like I this is the year for me to to do that like yeah like my 2022 year is really about 
amplification of things like that and reconnecting. So thank you for being a a great inspo. Thank you. We can really cultivate our power then. We have that time to rest and rejuvenate, deep rest, deep rejuvenation, Mm. time for ourselves. And then we can really rise and, and share and manifest and create Um, otherwise if we are doing too much inward time we have this down depressive energy we don't have the that creative energy we're not sharing we're not being of service and if we're too much of service and giving 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 all the time and focusing too much on work then we're missing out on that deep rest and we're missing out on time for ourselves and it's quite easy as women to be giving 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 all the time we're very selfless beings um so it's very important for us to have our own time even if it's just one day of rest while we're menstruating that one day of rest while Mm. we're menstruating makes all the difference in the month to come and i feel that's why we're seeing so many menstrual conditions now with us modern women is we're not resting we're not rejuvenating we're not honoring our inward time society expects us to look like and act like we're ovulating all month long (laughs) and that is not the reality we start to feel that dip in energy start to feel that dip in hormones and we freak out think that we're not going to be productive enough so we're drinking the coffee or having the extra strong cacao and grabbing the chocolate and taking all the things to try and perk ourselves back up um and that is not feminine that is masculine that is very masculine to be going going and doing doing all the time it is not the reality so once we start to honor ourselves as cyclic beings and feel that ebb and flow um and for women if they're not menstruating quite often it is because they're expecting themselves to be going going doing doing all the time we start to see the different moon phases, see the moon comes out. It's just been the full moon or when this podcast is launched, it's um, around the week of the new moon. The full moon is a time to be creative and fertile and um, external. And then the new moon is an internal time. And so that's just a little bit of wisdom. If there is any women listening that aren't menstruating, Uh, We can speak a little bit more on the Ayurvedic perspective of that um, in a moment. But honouring the moon cycles, connecting with the moon cycles and feeling that inward energy and that outward energy, that high energy and that low energy, feeling that ebb and flow. And that is the foundation of of feminine energy. It's ever-changing. It's ever-flowing. It's never the same. It reminds me of if you were watching a river go like go past you in its natural flow and current, and then you put your foot there or your hand there and you block some of the water, the water's like, where else do I go? And then it forces itself <laughs> around the outside. It's that, you know, that's what happens if you've never embraced the yin energy. You've always been, mm. always been in the yang energy. This is why I love chatting with you so much because I'm like, oh, my God, you're just like another part of me. Um, so thank Speak you. about sh- energy. Love it. <laughs> thank you for sharing where you are in your cycle and how you're checking in and how you're feeling. I know you would love to guide us through a little, like, prayer and meditation yes, to get started. So before you do that, just give us a really brief run through as into who you are, because I know that there's going to be people who are listening to this who haven't yet listened to episode 107 and they're like, this lady's new to me. So <laughs> why we, why should we be listening to you talk about Ayurveda? Like, why is this your jam? Oh, just really dear. And then I'll let you take us into, into that journey. Thank you. I hate giving myself a self-wrap, but most of all, number one, I'm a mother. 
Um, I am an Ayurvedic practitioner. I had my own health journey. Oh, when was that? 12 years ago now and wasn't getting any answers from the Western medical system, which went on for quite a number of years. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, hypothyroidism, anxiety, depression, nutrient deficiencies. I was just in a mess. And it came from trying to live up to society's expectations. I was working six days a week, going to the gym twice a day and partying all weekend. And my body said enough. And I'm so blessed that it happened at the such a young age, 21. I was bedridden for months. And that really led me onto my healing journey. And yoga and Ayurveda were the foundations of my healing. And just understanding that we are all different. We have different elements in our body and each person should be treated and diagnosed differently. Um, and yeah, and just calming our mind and connecting with our body and connecting to our own truth. So from studying Ayurveda with Dr. Ajit in New Zealand, I then went on, I really, really love the women's and children's health module. Um, I then went on to study uh, womb and fertility awareness and um, therapy and massage with Claire Blake in the UK. And that then led me, I really love the shamanic, the surprise shamanic aspect of that, which led me to go study with the school of shamanic uh, was midwifery. It's now called the school of shamanic womancraft with Jane Hardwick Collings. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a mix of all different things. I am super passionate about sharing the ancient ways, the women's mysteries. I feel like we had it all right thousands and thousands of years ago and the masculine patriarchal energy has disconnected us from our feminine power and our feminine wisdom. And if we can reintegrate that into our modern lives, that is where the healing and the insight and the empowerment comes as women. So my business is Shakti Holistic Healing and I am Shakti Healing on Instagram and I love sharing, I love connecting, I love being of service and I know that my purpose, this is my purpose in this lifetime. Um, that's the journey that I've been on in my own life is reconnecting to my feminine essence and healing my uh, feminine past life wounds and wounds in this lifetime and connecting to this feminine wisdom that is locked up in all of us and that is available to us during our menstrual cycle. So while we are bleeding, we are psychic and intuitive and we have the ability to connect with prophecy. And so this is the power of the menstrual cycle that we have been, we have been conditioned to believe that we are dirty and pure, erratic, crazy hormonal beings that are less of than men and um, that conditioning in itself is really disconnecting us from our power um, so I, I'm very passionate about healing the feminine wounds and uh, helping women reconnect to the power of their menstrual cycle and so Ayurveda is my foundation I studied Ayurveda uh, maybe eight years ago 
Uh, my healing journey was about 12 years ago and I started Ayurveda about eight years ago. Um, and so that's my foundation. And then there's lots of things that have come on top of that. And I alchemize them all together in the way that I share my work. Thank you for giving us a little run through on who you are. Um, you do alchemize it all together very, very well. And you. I, you know, a lot of people who know me well know that Ayurveda is a very, you know, present part of my life and it's daily, like daily rituals and daily way of living. Mm. Um, so thank you for sharing. Um, that's why I love everything that you do. Girl crush. Um, so tell <laughs> us, I know you're going to guide us through a bit of a meditation and opening prayer. So tell us what, what we're about to do and then guide us into that. And then as we come out, I'll ask you our first question. Cool. All right, let's do that. So I just like to start, I like to do everything with intention because when we have intention, that creates more power and uh, more af affirmation. So I like to start with whether you're driving or cooking or sitting down, being fully present, if we can just take a nice deep breath into our heart space, allowing it to open and soften. And then as you're exhaling, moving that energy down through your body, through your womb space and down into the center of the earth. And just do that a few times. You don't have to close your eyes. You can keep your eyes open. It's just activating the downward flow of energy. It's helping us get our energy out of our heads, opening and connecting with our heart space, which emanates love, gratitude and unconditional love. And as we're exhaling down through the body, we're sharing that unconditional love and gratitude with all our internal organs, our womb space, and sending it down into the center of the earth, the earth's womb space. And when we're connected to the earth, we feel supported, grounded, and nurtured. And what we're finding is that modern women have so much energy up in their heads, and this is Another root cause of menstrual conditions is we don't have enough energy and awareness in our womb space and we don't have enough energy going down into the earth. And when there's too much energy in our heads, we are, have more of a masculine way of thinking, more of a masculine way of perceiving the world and we are in more of a fight and flight fear response. So just one more deep breath into the heart space. Exhaling down through the body, through the womb space, down into the center of the earth. And just know that we can do this at any time. While we're driving, while we're cooking, while we're walking, we can activate this downward flow of energy. And if it's available to you, I might ask you to place one hand over your heart space, one hand over your womb space. And I'm just going to say a little opening prayer as we call the divine feminine, the inner knowing within each of us, feminine wisdom, courage, strength. We call on the women who have gone before us, mothers, wise women, be with us. Remind us to trust our bodies. Remind us to trust the birth process and to surrender our fears and worries. Remind us to simply be with what is our awesome selves, powerful, creative, yielding and wielding. We call on the ancient birth and fertility goddesses that women have called on forever to guide us, nurture us, protect us and support us. Bridget, 
Artemis, Ikchel, Freya, Yemenya, Changing Woman, Pukingak, Sri Lakshmi, Kuan Yin, Toret, Hatha, Gaia, Nanjantia, Pachamama, Mother Mary, Green Tara, Lakshmi. Be with us. Remind us to trust our bodies. Remind us to trust life. We give thanks to this opportunity to be here. We give thanks to this technology allowing us to connect and to share. We give thanks to our womb space. We give thanks to our womb space for allowing us to detox, to shed and to let go every month. Allowing us to create, to manifest and to heal. I allow you to acknowledge your ancestors and your guides who are always with you and supporting you in each moment. And I invite you to acknowledge the land that you're currently on, the original custodians of the land. I acknowledge the Awabikul and Bundjalung nation that I work on. I acknowledge their connection to the land, to the earth, to the spirits and the guardians. Invite everyone one more deep breath into the heart space. And exhale down to the womb space. Blessed be. Thank you. So I just want to read out, um, I've just got a couple of paragraph quote from my teacher, Dr. Ajit, on the, the importance of women's health. So if you don't mind, Jam, is now a good time to read that now, out? Now is perfect. Cool. Thank you. All right, let's do it. So women's health care is the paramount of society. From ancient times, women have had a great importance in the family role. Ayurveda treats women's health care with uttermost priority, as if the woman of the house is not healthy and happy, in optimal balance of the household is affected. Ayurveda has a whole separate branch which deals with women's health known as Prashuti Tantra, which deals with all the problems relating during menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, postnatally and through to menopause. These stages of life can be improved simply by diet and lifestyle to create hormonal balance, rather than treating an ailment or preventing it. Uh, Ayurveda contains a great deal of advice and support to optimize the state of both parents' reproductive um, physiologies before conception. And this is something I'm super, um, super passionate about is conscious conception and preparing our bodies physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually before conception takes place. So this can include not only treatments to increase fertility and reduce risk of miscarriage, but also the optimization of the parents' um, contribution to the reproductive tissues and the nourishment of the unborn child. For a female, the whole process starts from the onset of the menstrual cycle. So much importance is given at the first stage in Ayurveda to the 
improve the function and regularity of the menstrual cycle to create balance six months before conception takes place. With an emphasis on special self-care routine, diet and lifestyle to bring balance at a physical, mental and emotional level. And this was written by Dr. Ajit, my, my Ayurvedic teacher. So and beautiful. And, and it's so true. Like if mm. the woman is out of balance, the mother is out of balance and not feeling fulfilled in herself, has um, any health issues, that then ripples up into the family then she can't be the best version of herself for her children she can't be the best version of herself for the the father the husband and that then if we have healthy thriving families if the whole family unit is thriving they are then in more service to the community and then the community can then ripple out into the collective and it's like this ripple effect and it really it really feels it resonates with me that it it starts with the woman um so yeah I that's the foundation of Ayurveda as well as women's health and I think too that if we think about it you know as women's health is the foundation it's kind of like the core of the web and the web is only structured and stable when the core is built well by the spider If the centre of the web has holes in it or is impacted or off balance, then the ripple effect of that is from an unbalanced place. And I think just for everyone listening, you know, if you're hearing these kind of things for the first time, it might easily go over your head. But I want you to just focus on is that you are the structure of your core. So however your core appears or behaves or feels or acts or responds, that's how your outer world is going to do the same. Mm. And then if you think about children modeling their mothers, modeling their fathers, modeling guardians, role models, is that that's how your inner core can impact the outer core of you and then so on through the ripple effects, like putting a finger mm. in water. So I love that little guidance. And I think that like we could open up into the conversation of, well, in Ayurveda, how do they look at the importance of women's health? And then how do they support women's health? Like what are the core foundations of a woman's body and a woman's way of health in, in the, you know, the essence of Ayurveda? And I love people can't see, but you're sitting in a <laughs> in squatted, <laughs> like in a squat position. Is it called Malasana? I think, I think it's called Malasana. Anyway, yeah, looks great. Go. <laughs> So the foundations is really the menstrual cycle and we can see where a woman's body is at by her menstrual cycle, the quality of her blood, what um, symptoms she's having, is she having PMS, is she having breakouts, is there bloating, Um, is there a scanty flow, is there a heavy flow, is there acne, looking at the menstrual cycle which is a blessing as women, we have that ability to diagnose things easier and quicker, um, where for a man, they don't have that, um, it's being called the fifth vital sign. Men don't have that. So quite often men are quite harder to diagnose if there's something going on. Like if for a woman, if there's a lack of nourishment or she's experienced trauma, um, emotional trauma is coming up. There's this very um, esoteric connection as well. So 
Um, I teach that we have this deep connection to our subconscious the week before we bleed. So it's really important to, um, to be aware of what's coming up rather than labelling it as a crazy PMS week, which it can be if there's issues with the hormones or the doshas are out of balance. Yes, that can be a crazy PMS week, but we've also got a deep connection to our subconscious. So looking at what's coming up for you at, in that week uh, and then we have the ability to release it with our blood. It's, a, it's such an honour and such a powerful gift to have that ability as women. Uh, we have the opportunity to transmute past pains and traumas, have the ability to connect deeper with our subconscious and men don't have that ability. So we're very, very blessed. We need to reprogram our conditioning over the menstrual cycle. So looking at, um, yeah, we'll go through and look at the different doshas and how that can affect the, the menstrual cycle, um, seeing the different, um, the different conditions that our menstrual cycle can be in by the different elements. That would be and, amazing. Yeah, and what, what initially attracted me to Ayurveda and what initially attracts everyone to Ayurveda is the doshas. What dosha mm. am I? That's really yep. exciting to find out that I'm different or I might be similar to you, but everyone has a different balance of the elements in the body. And it can be um, a little bit confusing at first, or it can actually get more confusing as you go a bit deeper because we have different um, doshas. So dosha is the word for an imbalance. So if you're, if you're um, diagnosed as a pitta, then that's actually an imbalance because we should have be a mix of all three doshas. And that changes throughout our life. When you're younger, you've got more of a kapha, more earth and water. And our phase of life, 30s, mid-30s, this is the pitta phase of life, the fire element when we are more productive, when we're doing more things. And then we go into the vata phase of life, which is the air and space element. As we get older, we start to get dry, we start to get wrinkly, we start to get forgetful and more spacey. <laughs> um, looking forward to that phase of life, actually. But, <laughs> it um, sounds nice, actually, when you reflect on like out. that as opposed to getting old. Yes, um, more, I think being rather than doing, we're really in the doing phase of life, which is totally. great as well. We can do lots of stuff and help lots of people, but then in the later phases of life, we are being. Mm, um, that's a really have, great way to have look more at of it. a spiritual current connection because of that earth and air, the sorry, well, no earth, air and space element. We have more of a connection to other realms and and higher consciousness in the later phase of life. So, um. I just wanted to mention briefly about how Ayurveda perceives how we receive nourishment. And so this is a big thing that can affect the menstrual cycle. If someone's had a huge trauma or an eating disorder, um, quite often their menstrual cycle is affected because Ayurveda looks at the reproductive system being nourished lucky last out of all the systems in the body. So when we're eating our food, hopefully eating our food with awareness. They say to chew your food 32 times. The mouth is the first phase of digestion. And we have enzymes in our saliva that helps to break down the food. If we can eat mindfully, our stomach knows that our food is coming. This is also the root cause of digestive issues, which later leads to IBS, leaky gut, things like that. Is It starts with not mindfully eating our food and chewing our food properly. So if you're not, you're then swallowing that big bit of 
broccoli down into your guts or bread or whatever else um, into your stomach and that then your stomach, your bile, um, it's not in the proper balance because it didn't know that the food was coming because there was no mindfulness involved in the eating process. Um, and then that goes into your small intestines and that can create damage in the small intestines, which leads to leaky gut. And so when the food is digested properly and once it is in the small intestines, that's where the nutrients are absorbed from your small intestines. And once that goes into your system, the first phase of nourishment is called rasa, which is the plasma. And so plasma is also linked to our immune system. Um, if you're breastfeeding, the, food, the nourishment then goes straight to your breast milk from, this, uh, from the plasma. And so that's why you can see as a postnatal mother, if you mix, skip a meal as a post, early postnatal mother, your milk supply will drop. So the number one cause of women having a low supply is they're not getting that nourishment in. They're not eating enough food or potentially not even chewing their food and absorbing the nutrients from their food. So just wanted to slot that in. There's a really amazing Ayurvedic herb called Shadavari. I have it available on my website. I send it out um, emergency use for breastfeeding women all the time because it can increase your supply um, in a few hours. So I just wanted to add that. So it's another huge issue for us modern women is breastfeeding and supply issues uh, and it comes from nourishment issues. So back to, all right, so we've chewed our food, it's in our small intestines, the nourishment has been absorbed into the first layer of, of plasma, rasa, then going through to the blood. So if there's anemia, there's an issue there with the blood channel. Um, and if there's an issue in the blood channel, that's then creating a lack of nourishment for the rest of the channels. So then it's going through to our muscles, then our fat, our bones, our marrow, which is also our nervous system. And then lucky last, the seventh channel is the reproductive channel, the reproductive tissue. So that is the ovaries and the uterus for the woman and the testes, the sperm, and yeah, the testes and the sperm for the men. So that's just, I would love sharing that because it just, we can see in our modern lives how there is that lack of nourishment. There's that stress when we're eating, we're not absorbing our nutrients and that nourishment is not getting down to the seventh layer. Um, and then for people, you know, if we have to go and have IVF, quite often that's skipping nourishing down to the seventh layer and we're not sure of how that's going to ripple effect for the future generations so it's just interesting to look at that and ensure that we have nourishment going through to all those channels if there's any blockages or um, yeah so these channels can be blocked they can have a lack of nourishment um, like I mentioned the anemia in the blood um, which is very common with us modern humans um, iron is one of the first nutrients that's absorbed from our food so if there's stress involved around eating time if there's parasites in the digestive system that can cause the anemia and then the also that can cause the um, nourishment not getting down to the seventh layer to the reproductive tissue it's so fascinating all of this stuff <laughs> I just love learning about it and I also love the fact that it's the seven layers of nourishment, because when I studied ancestral health, they talk about the rule of seven and how we mm. are all like, everything is about seven, like the seven Isn't systems it? of the body yeah. people like, but there's 13 modern medicine says there's 13. But if you look mm. at the scribes and the scriptures of 
you know, ancestrally, it was always seven. And then seven we've got chakras. seven chakras, seven yes. planets, seven gateways yes. of the body, um, you know, seven colors of the rainbow. Like there's seven systems of food, like there's lots mm. of things. And I love these layers of nourishment because even, and I didn't know this about the plasma, you know, I haven't been through the journey of pregnancy to birth yet. So I haven't really delved super deep. I know a fair bit about it more than I'd say the average person, but I haven't deep dived yet because that hasn't yet been my personal journey. Mm. And I love what you mentioned about skipping meals as a mom, because it makes me think of the women who are busy in the lead up Mm. to their birth or aren't feeling up to eating because of digestive challenges, you know, their stomach's being compressed Mm. and therefore they skip meals because they feel like they're not super hungry. Is that a reason or a link to why they could have low supply of milk as they give birth and over the first 24 to 48 hours? So my mind is like, yeah, Yeah, we need to have that nourishment stored in our system, but particularly it's very much, um, it's it's very it's a very quick process. If a woman's supplies low by simply taking the herbs and having a big nourishing meal, that can be enough to bring her mm. supplies straight back. It's very wow. quick. As yep. well as if that's not happening, then it's coming back to rely on the stores of what's in the system with our nourishment. Um, and and I just love Ayurveda because we've got herbs to help with digestion. We've got herbs to help with liver detoxification. Of course, Western medicine, Western herbalism's got that as well. Um, but it's very much learning about Ayurveda is learning to see the world in a completely different way. And it was really challenging the first couple of modules of my Ayurvedic training, trying to understand the elements and just having that shift of consciousness of seeing everything in an elemental way. Um, it was a huge transition. And now, yeah, I just feel like my perspective could never go back to the way that it used to be. Mm, um, so much transformation in, the, in that journey, in that process. And it just goes to show like we are part of nature and I think of like my indoor plants, like they always tell me when they need a bit of water, like I can see behind you, you've got like a beautiful vine. Uh, I've got Is 20 it, plants in this room. <laughs> like they look, they, they look sad when they don't get watered That's and right. how quickly the channel of nourishment from watering a plant to it coming back to full life happens like, I wouldn't say instantly, but very quickly within a couple of hours. And so it just goes to show that, our body can react the same with things, even though we think, oh, it's going to take weeks for something to happen. It can be quite quick. And so I love hearing and learning about these nourishment layers. For Mm. someone who is depleted, like before we jump into the doshas and understanding Mm -hmm. the different dosha types for the menstrual cycle and dosha imbalance, if someone is listening to this, they're probably thinking, if you're anything like me, I'm a doer. And I'm like, so how do I nourish all seven layers? <laughs> what are some of the things we can do on a regular basis, ideally daily, that would be mm-hmm. somewhat simple that actually do support nourishment right mm. through all of the layers? Because if we're not getting you know, nourishment with our plasma and then our blood and then our muscles, it's kind of like everything is blocked for fat, yes. bones, marrow, and yes. the reproductive That's cycle right. or channel. That's right. yeah. So how do we help all seven? Well, like I mentioned, definitely the foundation and the first thing should be mindful eating and chewing our food to absolute mush. That is the start of it all because you can be eating the most nourishing, organic meal. And if you're watching TV or you're stressed and you're not, you're just shoving your food down and you're not conscious of 
the process the consciousness of the process is really important because that consciousness then allows your system to be ready to digest the food and absorb your nutrients and so you look at the Eastern cultures, the Indian and the Chinese culture in particular, they sit on the floor, which also helps to activate the stomach meridian with either cross-legged or sitting on their knees. And, um, and it's, it's a quiet meditative time while they're eating. Um, and so we've disconnected from that and quite often families are watching TV or having big family dinner and, and that's so beautiful to have big family dinners and, and have that chat and be catching up during dinner. It's, it's hard to take that away. Um, but particularly if you've got, um, digestive issues, just try, have some dinner on your own and be, take a few deep breaths, look at your food, visually take in and see all the colors, um, in your meal and chewing it to absolute mush. It just ignites all the stomach acids and enzymes to be ready to digest your meal and also having a nice relaxing period after your meal, not just jumping up and doing the dishes and, and all this becomes quite hard when you become a parent. Um, just after my postnatal period, I started to react to all these different foods. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm allergic to coconut cream now. Like I'm, I'm having all these reactions, what's going on? And it took a little bit of time, but then I realized, oh, my meal times have completely changed. I'm just shoving my food down, like <laughs> quickly trying to eat before my baby starts crying. <laughs> so these beautiful mindful dinners that I candlelit dinners that we'd been having with deep breaths and mindfully eating without talking for years really changed once I had children. So always be gentle with yourself, but just still have the intention at least to take some deep breaths. You can still be having a conversation, but just keep bringing your awareness back Presence. to your meal be that presence and, mm. and take some deep breaths. Never eat when you're in a stress state because that may, that's that's what IBS is, is, is your mind's too active and you're eating your food and it's going straight through you or you're holding the ileocecal valve gets stuck shut and you're holding and you become constipated. So it's very much, you know, there's we talk about the mind and the brain in our digestive system, the, the mind and the body connection and the digestive system and the mind are so intricately connected so just being aware of how you're thinking and how you're feeling while you're eating um so that's definitely number one some supplementation if you feel like you're not getting the nourishment from your food um i've been getting these really amazing supplements sent over from america called ritual that have all your vitamins and minerals in a really great balance um, it's got your vegan amigas and um vitamin d and k and all the things that we need i feel like we do need supplementation because our food now has 50 percent less nutrients in it than what it did 50 years ago and so even if you're buying the best quality organic produce it's still lacking nourishment because they're trying to mass produce this food and grow it quickly so that they can make profit from it unless you're growing all your food yourself if you've got a really beautiful garden with compost and beautiful nourish uh, rich nourish um, soil then that's fine that's great but if you're not then I definitely recommend supplementation um, but there's also really beautiful herbs that can nourish your kidneys your nervous system or focus on your blood or focus on your reproductive system we've got really beautiful herbs specifically for the different channels if we can see where the blockage or where the nourishment's getting to then the, the these tonic herbs can help get the nourishment to the rest of the levels 
I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course. This is a self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in less than a week. If you are a woman looking to rediscover your cycle, reconnect with your feminine in a new way, understand your cycle signs and what they mean, this is the mini course for you. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with action steps, cycle tracking guides, cycle prompts, and the Love Your Cycle 50 page ebook and audiobook. This is your chance to discover the things that you wish you had have been taught about your cycle at school, how to eat how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle signs before they arise. It's your turn to join thousands of women from all over the world who have already taken this course to reclaiming and reconnecting with their bodies. And you can do this too for less than a fancy vegan burger in under a week. To learn more, head to wellsome.com forward slash shop. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash shop. And use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off. I could not agree anymore with the nourishment in soil. And just even thinking about mindful eating, I'm always harping on inside the Wellbourne Academy. It's not about what you eat. It's how you eat the food. (laughs) It's how you eat. Um, Because with nourishment, it makes me think, you know, I have a veggie garden. It doesn't grow all of my food, but it definitely grows Mm. a selection of things. The process, like literally this past weekend, I spent a total of seven hours in the garden with no audio. So there was no music. There was no podcast. There's no audio books, just me in nature, you know, nurturing the soil, getting really freaking dirty, (laughs) really cut up too, very cut up too. But just the process of mindfulness when you go out and you pick greens to come back mm-hmm. inside, to chop up the silver beet, to pop into the dal you're making or the stew you're making mm-hmm. or to make a fresh salad at, you know, air temperature is that so we've lost all of that. Like yes. if you're listening to this, who and how many people in your life do you know that grow their own food? Yeah. And the it's a very small minority and that tiny minority. Like I salivate, like I picked my first <laughs> strawberry three days ago and it was only oh. tiny. It was kind of like, it was very small, but I was so salivating rewarding. watching that thing go from a flower to a beautiful red strawberry. And I'm like, came inside and I showed my partner B and I was like, babe, I grew this. He's like, so what is cool. it? And I was like, it's a strawberry. He's like, oh, it looks like a tomato, like a cherry tomato. I was like, but it's so cute. And I was salivating the whole time, like in that journey of watching it progress and grow. That is also what I feel mindful eating is. So it's very multidimensional and supplementation is is important. And growing your own food is such a a spiritual act. It just gives you this connection, this deep connection to nature and the elements. And you know what? That one strawberry probably had as much nourishment in it as a whole punnet of strawberries that you would have bought from the shops. I ate that thing so slowly. (laughs) Because when you grow your own food, there's so much, the foundation of growing your own food is the nourishment of the soil and Mm. the nutrients in the soil and layering it up and having the compost and the poo and the seaweed and all the things so that we have that nutrients in our food. So that's definitely a huge tip. If you can, everyone that's listening, just go out and maybe if you've got one pot growing some parsley and some basil and rosemary or or oregano or or whatever, yeah. 
just start with something and that's what's really being called of us at this time we need to stop relying on the big corporations the big systems for our survival Mm. you know if we go to the shops which that's happening there is food shortages at this time going to the shops and things are out of stock what are you going to do and it's a really great reflection because it is start small yep and even if you don't have the space to grow your own food or you don't have the capacity in your lifestyle because it is quite demanding you know looking after a garden um but you know connect with a community that has a community garden and connect with local organic growing groups and there's lots of ways around it even just going and doing your own picking you don't grow the food but you pick it and you eat it that can be helpful Most towns do do have their own little community garden and it's great to get involved and so much cheaper to go. And usually it's like $2 for a big bag of produce um, to be, we need to be in community as well. We're not to be meant to be just living in our own four walls. And we also really need to question why we have these big front lawns of grass. We can't eat grass really if everyone just got rid of their front lawns and put some fruit trees out there to share with their streets and it had a veggie garden, we've, we've got rid of half of our front lawn and turned it into a veggie garden in suburbia. And, yeah, it's great. Just wanted to pop that in there. But even if Could you start not. small, it's just this spiritual connection with the elements, with nature. That's, that's what we need to get back to. Great. I could not agree anymore. <laughs> So there's some really great tips around nourishment. So thank you for sharing all of those. Now let's talk about dosha imbalances because as you mentioned earlier, a lot of people connect with Ayurveda, which you, you know also could be called as Indian medicine, traditional Indian medicine, Indian health. A lot of people just think Ayurveda is like, I'm a Pitta, I'm a Dva, I'm a Vata, I'm a Kapha. And that was not, that wasn't my introductory to Ayurveda. But when I learned about Ayurveda, I went on a spiral and that's what I discovered. And then I learned that that was all wrong. Yes. And I was just like, oh my God, the books are wrong here in the it's West. It's so confusing. It's very confusing. So what this talk, um, what are the doshas, the makeup of the doshas? And mm-hmm. then what is a dosha imbalance? And then what are the doshas linked to the menstrual cycle? So three questions. Mm-hmm. First one, mm-hmm. what are the doshas? Let's see if I can keep on track with that. So we have three doshas and dosha means imbalance. So we should be, we should all be a mix of three doshas of the three doshas. When we're born, we have, I believe it's called our vikruti. It's our um, dosha that we're born with. So that's our foundation. But as we go through life, we have the different phases of life, like I mentioned previously with the different doshas, but we also go through different phases as well. We have a dosha for our mind. We have a dosha for our physical body and we have a dosha for our menstrual cycle. So it's all very confusing, but it's just a process of seeing everything as elements. So Vata is the first dosha and it is air and space. It governs the nervous system and the flow of energy in the body. So when we started with the meditation where we're breathing into the heart space and breathing down, this is one of the flows of Vata energy, of Vayu, which is um, a wind or a downward energy of air and space. So we need a healthy Apanavada downward flow of energy for a healthy menstruation for elimination and for birth 
So all those things, we need to be focusing on sending the energy down and out. And that's why I love that meditation because it helps that energy go down and out. Um, so it regulates the nervous system. It's also very connected to the mind. As modern humans, we generally most commonly have a vata imbalance. And so as an Ayurvedic practitioner, we focus on the vata energy first and bringing that balance of vata back into the body. And so, so the opposite qualities is what balances out um, the elements. So if someone's got a vata imbalance, it's also, it's cold, dry and light is the qualities. So to balance that, we need oiliness and we need heaviness. So you're wanting to implement more kapha elements. Um, so I might just keep with the vata energy and condense all these questions and talk about the vata menstrual cycle rather than going through and then going back if that's all right Gemma I feel that's like we'll just, yeah, yeah we'll just keep with the vata energy here so when with so in a menstrual imbalance with vata you'll see a scanty flow or dark red brown could be black dry old blood so that is stale old blood from the cycle before that isn't being released properly from perhaps a lack of apanavayu energy moving that, that flow out. Um, it, it can also be a lack of oxygenated blood. Um, that can also come from a kapha imbalance, like a blockage, which we'll speak about afterwards. So menstrual cramps is vata energy. So quite often when women have menstrual cramps, it's that dry, scrapey feeling. And so that dry scrape and feeling is that cold, dry, light quality in the air and space element. So to counterbalance that, um, actually I'll keep going with the, the imbalances and I'll come back to the healing afterwards. It's obviously what I mentioned before is we're wanting to implement the opposite qualities. Um, so numbness is also a vata imbalance. Um, pain radiating down into the groin, the thighs, aches, lower back ache. Um, a short cycle, so less than a five-day period, can also be seen as a vata imbalance, irregular cycle, long cycle, endometriosis, vaginal numbness, painful discharge, painful ovulation, a frothy flow, stiffness, depression, fatigue, anxiety, particularly anxiety, mood swings, insomnia, weakness, feeling cold, vaginal dryness, lower abdominal distension, constipation, gas, headaches, and craving heavy food. And also bloating. I don't know why that's not in there, but bloating's a very barter. Um, so much quality. stuff. So much. And so that, and that's, you know, you could have one of these things, but obviously if you had all of these things, that's a huge vata imbalance. But so to counterbalance this vata imbalance, we're wanting the opposite quality. So applying warmth internally and externally. So ginger tea is a great thing because it's warming, it's directly warming the uterus. It's also warming the digestive system. Um, it's very easy to have a vata imbalance in the digestive system as well. Um, with us modern humans, we eat way too much dry, light things like rice crackers and, yeah, just, just dry things in general. And so warm baths, womb steaming, yoni steaming. If you haven't heard of this practice, please look it up. I do have a how-to 
uh, video on my Instagram TV and more in information on Instagram. Womb seaming is a really beautiful ancient practice to get the warmth into our womb space. So that's directly affecting our uterus. Um, calming the mind, meditation and yoga is a huge thing that needs to be implemented because Vata is governing the nervous system. If there's an issue in the nervous system, that will create an issue with our menstrual cycle. They're very intricately connected. So a relaxed menstrual, a relaxed nervous system, sorry, helps to have a smooth menstrual cycle. Um, so Vata also affects the plasma tissue, responsible for much of the nourishment of the tissue, of the quality of the menstrual flow. So like we mentioned, moving those um, moving the nourishment through the different tissues is also um, but is also in charge of that. So that's what I mentioned. You can have a blockage of a channel. Um, it's kapha that creates the blockage and vata is what moves, moves the nourishment through the channels, moves the flow of the menstrual cycle, moves the nervous system. Um, so, um, yeah, so retreating and resting during your bleed is also super important, like we've mentioned. And yeah, med meditation and applying warmth is, is hugely a foundation of balancing Vata. So just looking at what are you eating? If you're eating a raw diet, raw vegan diet, you're more than likely going to manifest eventually. Some people might get it um, instantly. Otherwise, eventually there'll be a Vata imbalance because you're lacking that warmth. We need warmth and we need lubrication in, in the digestive system, which then affects the menstrual cycle. So many great little nuggets of wisdom in there. Um, just goes to show Vata really is everywhere. And I see that all the time. And I think people live the Western world, especially in the West, is very much directed at the opposite of Vata. Um, and I think yeah. that's why we experience so many people having Vata imbalances. Um, what about Pitta for the menstrual cycle and yeah. Kapha for the menstrual cycle? So Pitta is the fire and water element. It's hot and oily. So a Pitta person generally will have more heat in the body. Um, you can see a Pitta body type sometimes has red hair that's showing there's more fire element in the body um, so pitta governs the flow of blood and the menstrual channel in that way that it's red it's hot um, pitta also governs transformation in the body if anything needs to change from one thing to another in the system um, pitta helps to burn toxins from the digestive system um, that may seep into the blood creating heat and toxins so it's really important to keep Pitta under control. Otherwise, there's too much heat. There's too much transformation happening in the body. Uh, metabolism, that's the word instead of transformation that I was looking for. Metabolism. So it metabolizes what needs to be metabolized in the body. So a menstrual imbalance with the Pitta um, dosha, there'll be an excess flow. So there's too much blood. It's dark red or sometimes purple if there's really an imbalance. Um, it could be right, bright red. Um, so blood clotting sometimes if there's too much moving through. But I find blood clotting, like if there's a lot of clots and a, a, um, 
like a darker colour. I feel that's more of a Kaffir imbalance. The clotting of the blood is the earth element more than fire and water. Um, so longer than a five to seven day menstruation. Um, and I just want to slot this in here quickly. If women are having a heavier flow and a longer flow, there's a really amazing herb called Ashoka, an Ayurvedic herb that reduces the flow. Um, so I just wanted to mention that because there's so many women that are suffering with heavy, mm -hmm. intense, long bleeds and getting really depleted because of that. Get her looked um, into these too. Women, I think that's great. It's important to bring the energy up. Like you've already got that apana vayu, that energy moving down. So reverse that meditation. Breathe in from the from the earth into the womb space and into the heart space. Reverse that flow. A lot of time with legs up the wall and a lot of resting as well. Mm. Um, for these women, excessive bleeding and trying to do things during this time would just be completely depleting. So, um, so frequent periods, hot discharge, foul odour, sensations of heat, flushing, fever, skin rashes, acne. Um, pitta is also very present in the liver. So the liver governs skin health and the liver is the seat of our anger and the fire element. <laughs> so if that's compromised, um, pitta imbalance and liver imbalance is very much goes hand in hand um so yeah any skin issues acne that's directly reflecting some issues going on in the liver headaches that's another excess of fire element in the body um so if you're getting headaches that week before you bleed or headaches while you're bleeding that's showing there's an excess of heat in the body that needs to be removed you can do that with shatavari a herb or um, aloe vera is also really good for that um and irritability and anger. I did um, mildly mention that with the liver. But, um, yeah, excess heat in the body. There'll be that crazy PMS of frustration and explosive anger outbursts. And it might not just be the PMS week. It might be the whole month. <laughs> but um, it's really good to look at that. Like, as women, that are, it's, it's healthy for us to express our anger but there's also a boundary of like, where aren't we honoring ourselves and why are we being explosive towards other people, taking that energy back in and cooling it down. So again, um, on craving salty food, that's another pitta um, element. So for, with this, we're wanting the opposite qualities. We're wanting to cool the system. Really important to liver detox if you've got any of these symptoms. Um, digestive detox as well. There can be excessive heat stuck in the liver and the digestive system, and then that's affecting your menstrual cycle. Journal to express emotions, express the frustration, get to the root cause of why it's there and why this is stagnating in the system um, and reoccurring rather than being released healthily. So self-love practices, meditation to calm and cool the mind, mindfulness. I mentioned herbs of Shadavara and aloe vera previously. Um, and always menstruation as a time to rest and retreat. If we're still doing, doing, doing and being this quite often, the pitta body types are they're really goal driven and really successful with their career and they get stuck in this doing mode and then that 
creates that um, those symptoms with the menstrual cycle. So by simply stopping that and quitting work for the day one of your menstrual cycle, at least for the first day and meditating and cooling the system and relaxing the nervous system, that's going to affect your cycle the next month. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it for Pinner. Is there anything there, Gem, you want to add? No, that sounds good. Um, I'm, I'm cautious of time because I know we've been chatting for so long, but there's so much great information we need to share. So let's keep going. Um, cool. I think that it's just important to recognise before you chat about CAFA that <clears throat> we are all things. So some one cycle we might be, shit, I've, I'm more vada. I've got like a blockage in yes. my flow and it's spotting a lot. And then the next cycle you might be like, bleeding heaps and your yeah. period might come sooner or you might experience clots in your period I think that it's really important to explore that every cycle will be different and that you can yes. be all of these things not just one so yes. don't label yourself that I yes. have a vata bleed that's right you know I've it's even very limiting to, cycle yeah it's very limiting to label ourselves so we are yeah. as as women we're ever-changing but you'll also find just to get more heady with the ayurvedic stuff <laughs> is that if your cycle is changing a lot each time that's more of a vata quality yeah because vata is very the changing change but yeah. a pitta pitta menstrual cycle or pitta person is more that they're pitta they're quite strong on that and then kapha as well because there's this heaviness and and not as much mutability is the word mutability with the other doshas where mm. vata is very mutable it's it's always changing um so kapha i love kapha energy i feel it through my my ayurvedic training i was so sure i was just 100 percent kapha and then i've slowly learned over time i'm actually a pretty good mix of the three doshas um and to me that's that that's that's balance it's a balance of the elements and of course it does change and there is a dominance of vata energy usually but um kapha mm. is earth and water so it's very grounded it's heavy it's cold and it's wet so kapha is responsible for all anabolic activity and is generated by the plasma tissue um, so if there's any problem with metabolism of tissues in the body that's creates kapha problems so kapha creates that stagnation the density the growths the blockages <laughs> um, so a menstrual imbalance and so kapha body type just looking generally at the body types they're usually heavier stockier more earthy have rounder features bigger cheeks lush curly wild hair or bigger volume there's just more volume and more density in the body and so the menstrual imbalances, we're seeing usually a moderate flow. It can be pale or light um, blood. There can be mucus in the blood as well. I've had that before where my blood's been quite mucusy. Um, there can be clots, larger clots. And so fibroids are very much um, a kapha blockage. The fibroids are a, a growth. Um, and PCOS, I've got down here PCOS as a kapha imbalance. Um, it's, it's really PCOS is a mix of all the doshas because you've got the, the vada energy isn't moving um, the, the, the cyst, um, it's, but the kapha is creating the blockage of the cyst not, not moving um, and there's a lack of metabolism from a, the pitta dosha. 
But, um, yeah, so slimy menses, pale discharge, sensations of cold, feeling itchy, which is a lack of circulation, mild to dull pain, heaviness, weight gain, water retention is a kapha quality. So that's like a, a blockage of the flow of um, water. But again, that kind of links in with Vata because if the circulation's happening properly, the Vata and Kapha, if that's in a nice balance, it won't be the water retention, uh, which is edemia. Um, nausea, vomiting, swollen breasts, and craving sweet is a Kapha quality. Uh, Kapha loves the sweet quality. <laughs> so to balance out the Kapha elements, so like I mentioned with the qualities are cold, wet, and heavy. So we need the opposite of that. We're needing warm we're needing light and we're needing dry. So dry skin brushing is a really great um, practice to help the lymphatic system move, to um, reduce the qualities of kapha. Um, yoga and movement is really important and kapha can be really stagnant and heavy. So kapha people usually hate moving too much, <laughs> but that's what they need is that movement, that circulation. They need to invoke more of the vata energy, more of the pitta energy. Um, really important to have a daily self-care routine, abdominal massage, uh, which I teach self-fertility massage. I've got videos of that on my YouTube and Instagram. Breast massage is really important leading up to the menstrual cycle to help with any swollenness, um, get that circulation happening. And so the warmth can be applied by womb steaming, yoni steaming, castor oil packs, um, releasing emotions. Again, that's always an important thing because when there's stuck emotions, that is then affecting the body physically. Kapha stuck emotions are more this heaviness, more this depressiveness that gets, there's, there's earth and water are the elements when we come back to that. So there's more of that emotional tears, but from a heaviness where the pit is frustration and anger and the vata is more fear and anxiety. So hopefully you can kind of see that and relate it to the qualities. Um, Mangista is a really beautiful Ayurvedic herb which helps with circulation in the womb space. So if someone has got a scanty flow or has blood clots or a lack of quality with the blood, Mangista helps to detox and build the blood channel which directly affects your menstrual cycle. Um, so I love that herb. I prescribe it quite a lot. Um, and so also just looking at our menstruation as a time for letting go. If we're releasing with our blood that heaviness and that stagnation of emotions with the kapha element, the kapha dosha, and releasing that with our blood and um, resting, rejuvenating. So they're quite similar when, when you look at the, the healing qualities. Um, it comes back to just the foundations, but they're just different elements that need to be um, counterbalanced. And it's so multidimensional too when you look at all of those different elements. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, my God, this is so overwhelming, there's so much stuff, I think this is one of the beauty, the beauties is just go and work with an Ayurvedic practitioner and actually just discover where your imbalance is. Do not be your own doctor. Like this happens all the time. Like, oh my God, I'm this and I've got this and I've got this. And like you become a hyper, like hypochondriac with all these things. Yes. But it's similar to what you were saying. That like when I was going through my study, I so thought I was a kapha. Like I was kapha all over. And then as you got to know your body a bit better, learn more about application of Ayurvedic practitioner and like, 
practicing on yourself, you're like, actually, I am a little bit tougher, but I'm also these other things. And I think what that helps us do it is it helps us get out of our heads so we're not living in the vardiness of ourselves and we're actually getting guidance. I think the best thing I ever did for my health was to work with an Ayurvedic doctor, which is where my Ayurvedic journey started in 2013. But then actually doing a Panchakarma in India was like transformative with seeing Ayurvedic doctor and nurses every day for 14 days in a row. Like it amplifies your experience. And so if you're listening to this and you're feeling a bit overwhelmed and you're like, oh my God, Halia's got so much great information. And I think I'm all of these things help me. Go and work with someone, sit down, invest financially in yourself to learn about it. And then just figure out like what things need to work for you and what would support you. Because out of everything you mentioned, I think the biggest takeaway is to eat mindfully, eat and consume warm foods or at least room temperature foods, provide nourishment to your body and allow yourself to flow. Like don't force things. That was like, that's, that's my summary from everything that you've shared. If you were to summarize it, summary. Oh, thank you. As well, if you were to summarize it out of um, like, but just as we get ready to wrap up and finish, because we're so over time, but thank you for continuing um, to summarize in like four easy dot points really quickly. How would you summarize how to care for yourself in an Ayurvedic way for your menstrual cycle? Thanks, lovely. Um, yeah, I, ha- I had some other things to add on what you've just said, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Um, just, yeah, it is really important to, yes, we can get lots of beautiful information online, but to have someone external supporting us because we have our own perspective of who we are and where we're at. But when we're working with someone else, they're seeing us from a different perspective. So, yes, I thought I was a kappa and then went on to find out I was actually a mix of the three doshas. I work, was working with my brother-in-law and he thought he was a pitta, but through my diagnosis, I diagnosed him as a vada, uh, vada and pitta, but mainly vada. And, and I, when we go back to the tribal days of we were living in community and we had wise women, wise men with us all day long, pretty much. Any problem that we had, um, we had someone we could reach out to and instantly get advice, instantly get support. Of course, we had our herb healer and our shamanic witch doctor potentially to do the energetic things, but just generally we had wise women around us all the time. And now, yes, we can get some great information off YouTube and Instagram, but it's really important for us to seek support. I'm constantly seeking support. I've got my team behind me that I can reach out for energetic work or um, physical body or frequency healing. And um, I need that for my own self-development. I can't do it all on my own. We're not meant to do it all on our own. It's a very masculine quality wanting to do it all on our own and trying to be our own healers. Um, we can be our own healers. I do. That's my kind of slogan is empowering women to be their own healers. We do have this wisdom inside of us, but it's a journey of connecting to our deeper intuition um, to be able to access that. But yeah, back to the question of what is the foundations? I've summary. Ate. Summary. Like if you yeah. were to summarize in three to four really easy, quick dot points as to what we can do to ultimately nourish our menstrual cycle Ayurvedically, 
what would you suggest? I feel like I already know what you're going to say. But I, what I, would you suggest? What you said was amazing. Like, okay. <laughs> allowing the allowing the flow was a that's a huge quote because if we're allowing our flow of emotions, we're allowing our our flow of, of the menstrual cycle, the flow of everything. We need to be stopping so hard and rigid, and that is such a masculine quality. The feminine is always flowing, always changing. So. Um, but yeah, four dot points. God, it's so hard for me to be so um, tunneled <laughs> <one point laughs> into points and keep on. Um, okay, so resting while we're menstruating. Mm-hmm. I really feel like that is that is number one because when we rest, we're resting. We're allowing ourselves to be in that state of stillness. We're allowing our flow to happen without being distracted with the doing of the outside world um and that's not so much an ayurvedic quality it is um but that is really from that place we can have such a more powerful month ahead of us when we actually allow ourselves to rest and if you're a mom and you've got a busy household and you're in business and it's really hard to find that day of rest at least don't cook and clean do your cleaning leading up to your menstrual cycle cook a big pot of dal and just don't do any cooking and cleaning. Do something, just, just implement something where you're, you're resting and slowing down at least. Um, and sleep with a notepad next to your bed to have a prophecy dreams and you're more psychic. So really pay attention. And that awareness can only come when we slow down, when we create more space. Um, warmth, warm digestive system, warm feet, warm feet creates a warm uterus we need that warmth we are way too hard and cold us modern humans (laughs) so i think you've kind of generally got that theme from everything we've spoken about when there's warmth there is more flow with coldness there is that constriction and there's a lack of flow um, in all aspects there's the coldness of emotions as well that creates a lack of flow emotionally Um, Womb steaming is a really beautiful practice. Again, this isn't so specifically Ayurvedic. It is Ayurvedic, but it's also found in many, many other cultures. That's directly getting that warmth into our uterus. It's also a beautiful ritual and ceremony that you can do to release energy from your womb space, past partners, past traumas. It's a really powerful act of self-love and it's directly getting that warmth into your uterus. Don't do it while you're menstruating because when we're menstruating, it's really, we want that downward flow of energy. So while that's why we don't do inversions in yoga when we're menstruating, the Apanavayu needs to go down. They also advise not to have sex while you're menstruating because that's interfering with the downward flow of energy. And I also question whether using menstrual cups and tampons and things that go inside, whether that's also um, hampering the downward flow. So just focus on that downward flow. And if you are starting to feel pains and cramps, bringing in that beautiful breathing practice, breathing into the heart space and exhaling down through the body, down into the earth. Beautiful sitting in a squat also really helps. I'm just going to do that now because my hips are really feeling it. Um, And the fourth is Nadi Shodana. We spoke about this before we were hitting record. Alternate nostril breathing. Again, I've got a video on my Instagram TV on how to do this. 
This is breathing in. I like to start with the left nostril, which presents the feminine energy and breathing out uh, the right nostril, back in the right nostril. So this is balancing the masculine and feminine energy. It's calming the nervous system. It's balancing the Vata energy. It also helps to calm the pain receptors in the body. So really good if you're having menstrual cramps, really great if you've got anxiety or depression. It just really helps to balance the system. It is just the most amazing powerful breathing practice and if you do this in the morning the first hour of your day determines the rest of your day is something that I preach if you're doing alternate nostril breathing in the morning that then affects the rest of your day you're in a more calm present mindful state for the rest of the day so that's yeah a really powerful practice they're four great practices. I know you said that I did good ones, but these are really good. And I knew that you were going to put warmth into there somewhere because without warmth, we have nothing, literally. Um, and I think one of the best ways to think about warmth and nourishment is that as a baby, we grow in our mother's womb in a warm environment. And so that's why keeping your baby warm is such a vitally important thing for restful sleep and you know healthy digestion for them. Are they having good poos? So I think that if we can just remember that warmth has been with us forever, just as we become or grow up, I, I could say, instead of becoming older or more mature in making our own decisions, we think I want that acai smoothie bowl and, you know, I'm going to have that daiquiri and all these little cold things that our Western society really bathes into. I think that there's a lot more we can do for ourselves. So thank you for sharing all of these really beautiful, simple tips to summarize at the end. Um, don't let this be overwhelming if you're listening to this. Um, Ayurveda is really a process of life. It's not a quick fix. It's not a diet. It's not a once I'm going to do this, then I'm going to move on. It's incorporating it into your life. So if you do feel um, at all overwhelmed with the amount of great knowledge we've learned today, just pick two things very simple things. Let's just say it is you're going to start your day with warm liquids and you dry skin brush. If that's all it is, do that for a month. And then the following month, introduce two new things or one new thing and keep adding in. And that's what I've done over the last, God, what is it? Eight, nine years now. And that has totally allowed me to live in an Ayurvedic way without it feeling like it's forced or like it's a chore. So thank you so much for sharing. For everyone listening, how can they find you? Like what's the best place to um, find you online? I know you've mentioned a little bit about your Instagram and your YouTube and I'll pop the links in the show notes, but how can they connect with you? Instagram's a great way. Um, it's I share a lot on there. I share a lot of content, a lot of videos, and I'm quite active on there. You can reach out with any questions at any time. Um, I'm a Virgo and I really embody that I'm in service this lifetime. Of course, I'm a mother, but my work is my life and I don't see it as work. It's something that I absolutely love and enjoy. And I feel so honored to be able to jump on to things like this with technology so that I can share and connect with others all over the globe. Um, so, yeah, just reach out and connect anytime. I have my website as well, shaktiholistichealing.com.au. I have a blog post. I'm not super active on that. I definitely share more on Instagram and YouTube every now and then. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of content. I just want to be, yeah, giving as much information and helping as many women as possible. So, yeah, there's a lot of videos on, on YouTube. I've got my sacred menstruation workshop, which is a two-hour workshop that's up on YouTube. Um, 
for free. It's a taste tester of my sacred menstruation immersion, which is a four week e-course um, journeying through the depths of our menstrual cycle. I go through her story um, and our conditioning, healing, blood shame. And then each week I have yoga practices, meditations, goddess invocations and transmissions according to the energy of the menstrual cycle for each week. So I'm really supporting women to cultivate their divine feminine energy and be able to really release and let go and then really rise and create and manifest while they're ovulating um, so that's my latest um, latest offering but I've also got this Shakti code e-course which is a seven-week journey um, we journey through Ayurveda and the doshas and menstrual conditions like we've just briefly touched on today but I also speak about the emotional causes of um, menstrual conditions um, so it's very much for women that are either having fertility issues or wanting to get pregnant or have PCOS or any menstrual conditions. It's a really beautiful seven-week uh, healing journey and a lot of education and empowerment in there. And my wish is for women to gain this knowledge and then go on and share it with other women, like what you're doing, Gemma, with the cyclical school. It's so empower important for us to empower and heal ourselves and then go on and share that information we can't just hold on to all the information and, you know, um, yeah, we just can't hold on to this information. It needs to be shared. We need to connect. And that's very feminine quality is learning and healing and then sharing all of that information and supporting other women. It is we need to support other women to heal. Like we started the, the call with the, the women, are the foundation of the health of the family and the community. So it's, it's really a time of women healing, evolving and stepping up and sharing and being of service. So, um, yeah, really love what you're doing, Gem, with your school. Really, really needed at this time. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, and thanks for sharing all the ways that people can find you and connect with you. And to wrap it up, thank you for joining us for the episode and sharing some Ayurvedic wisdom. I hope everyone who has stuck with us to the end has really just allowed yourself to just bathe in ancestral knowledge. We've been living in these ways for centuries, literally centuries and centuries. And I think that one of the greatest ways we can connect with the ancestral lineage and traditional heritage of ourselves is to just apply simplistic living. And we've shared and talked about so many different avenues of this today. So I hope it's been really helpful for you who um, have been tuning in. So, Halia, thank you for joining us for the show and another beautiful episode. Um, very, very grateful for you and your shining light. And thanks for being present with us. Thank you so much, Jen. Such an honour to connect with you and share once again. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. And I hope I can be in service to you in some way. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected. 
listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle. 